Welcome to the Young Adult Experience. Today's topic is sex, the gift we can't figure out, how to manage sexual temptation. Let's join Pastor Rick in progress. Your Bible, let's lift your hand, let's pray. Father, I pray tonight that what we talk about is uplifting, helpful, and inspirational. That every life will be touched, every mind will be ignited, that the following things we say will bring life and joy and health and balance to those who hear it. We thank you for the power of your word that transforms our lives, that lifts us to new places, that gives us new vision. I ask you, Lord God, to transform, heal, deliver, give perspective. It was 19 years old. I was 19 before I heard any sermons on sex. 19. Everything I heard before that was don't do it. And it just didn't help me. It didn't help me in the seasons of my life when I was striving to figure out what to do. It didn't help me really fend off temptation. It confused me. And Lord, I just didn't understand a lot. But I thank you for time, wisdom, and grace. I thank you for helping me see. So I ask your blessing upon this day in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. I kind of tweaked our talk a little bit today. Um, And just for the record, this is different than what's going to be said on tomorrow. There's a sermon tomorrow that you, if you're you're not here um, tomorrow, you might want to come or stream in uh, because the sermon is completely different. And um, it is uh, a powerful message that I think will be a blessing to you. Um, It's a sermon called, how do you cut a new, it's called learn how to work. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Learn how to work. Say it again. Come on. Say it again. Come on. Learn how to work. It's in our series on work. And um, last week I talked about be clear about your work. This week we'll talk about learning how to work. And next week we'll talk about what to work toward. And then after that is who to work with. Work is an important part of our life if you're going to be successful. And um, you just don't want to miss it. If you want to stream in or, as I said, look at it. It'll be uploaded around 2 o'clock. You can see the whole thing. But tonight... We do something different. Tonight I take on, take on this topic because I, I really feel that one of the things that's important is that you understand how to approach your intimate life. And so I want you to join me in a word of prayer. We're going to pray, and then we're going to jump in this thing, and we're going to get our feet wet, and we're not going to be afraid of it, and we're going to let God speak to our hearts and speak to our minds, and we're going to let God help us tonight. So, Father, we thank you in advance in Jesus' name for the power of your word that does revolutionize our lives. I thank you because you alone, O God, have given me the the vision and the strength to do this. I ask you, Lord God, to touch my mind and touch my heart. I ask you to give me the vision to see, help me see how to communicate this truth in a way that brings life and strength and health to those who hear it. I pray, God, that you would help them to to not be afraid tonight of what they're going to hear. I pray that they would not be concerned or worried about what they hear tonight, but they would trust you and they trust your word, that they would trust that what they hear tonight is designed to help them and lift them. And so we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise for breaking yokes and healing hearts. So touch them today. Would you lift your hands with me and pray this prayer? Say, Lord, in Jesus' name. I open my heart and my mind to hear, to learn, to grow, and to not be afraid in Jesus' name. 
Amen. The topic tonight, I won't have you repeat because it's a little bit embarrassing, but it's called Sex, the Gift We Can't Figure Out. That's what I changed the name to. Sex, the Gift We Can't Figure Out. How to Manage Sexual Temptation. I, I was very much raised in an environment where you viewed your sexuality as something that was a natural part of life. It was never viewed as something you didn't do. I was never told as a kid not to be sexually active. I was never told that it was wrong. I was not raised, raised in a religious environment, so I have zero uh, connection to that kind of thinking. Um, I was raised going to R-rated movies. I was raised seeing all kinds of things that you might not think were very good, uh, listening to some of the days and uh, most um, um, uh, vile, what you would call day vile, um, and comics. And I mean, it was Richard Pryor, name them all. I'm not saying Richard's a bad person. I'm just saying the whole culture I was in celebrated that expression. When I came to be 15 and went to church, um, that's when I, especially in the holiness environment, I, I was surprised by the list of things that you couldn't do. And, and I, I just, you know, music you didn't listen to and everything was curtailed. So I had to adjust and I, I wanted to love God. I wanted to serve God because I was really impressed and touched by the whole gospel message and the Bible and I felt head over heels in love with Jesus and the word. And so trying to balance the two was different. But church had one message for me. Don't do it. Just don't become sexually active. Just whatever you used to do in the world in the past. But they never spoke to me. And they never, they, they weren't honest. They lied to me because a lot of them were still doing it. And they were sneaking and doing it and slipping and doing it and girls were getting pregnant and people were having stuff and there was affairs and adulteries here and there and people were, you know, set down for being bad in church or whatever. And I just didn't understand it. I, I used to say, well, they're just, you know, not good people. Maybe they just don't really love Jesus. And, and I just didn't understand it. And I surely never, ever saw it after I became a Christian as a gift. Sex was not a gift. It was a burden you carried and something you ran from with all of your might. And you just really couldn't find a balance. I started reading a book. I hadn't finished it yet. But there's a book that I started reading. And uh, it's on the topic. Uh, it's by Kay Arthur. It's called The Truth About Sex. So you might want to, if you want to go scout it out, you can. But uh, part of what she said in the beginning of her book, the part I did read, she said, um, she said, you know, when people are raised to think something is wrong, even when they get married, they still struggle with it. And there are people who are, not, who are saved all their life, are saved for years, or went to church, and they were told how wrong it was. So they struggle with the expression when they get married. And so I, I thought, that's why I thought this title was so appropriate, because it's not wrong. It's a gift. And it, but it's a gift that confuses people. It's a gift that people don't understand. It's a gift that you can't figure out. Because here you are, okay, you're trying to serve God, but this urge, this, this whole thing is pressing on you, and you don't really know what to do with it. You don't know how to manage it for sure. And it's just confusing. So you just pretend. Pretend you don't have that. You know, if you, and you come up with your little, little, little techniques, like if you see somebody that's like really sexy to you or cute, you go, in the name of Jesus, I bind the devil, I bind the devil. I cast you out. 
And women are told, you know, okay, look unsexy. Do the best you can. Ugly up yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, don't wear nothing to show nothing. Just put a sack on, girl. But let me tell you, lust of look through a sack. Yes, it will. Look, <laughs> look right through the sack. And then men, men, make, men make a really amazing assumption that women don't lust too. They just act like women just don't have any kind of notification, but they got warning lights. They just cool with it. You know, just beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Guys just sloppy with it. No, no tack, no, you know, oh, hey, girl, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I just sit there and then I think, man, it's so hard to be honest about this. It's just really hard. It's hard to admit anything. So that's why I think it's out of control. And that's why it becomes this burning fire in your life, like a fire, force fire. You keep secret. And you never tell. And you have all these assumptions. You know, here's funny. People assume that younger people are the only ones who are burning with, with temptation and sexual desire. It's not true. Older people, too. You mean grandma? Yeah, I mean grandma. <laughs> Go to study nursing homes. Boy, they'd be hooking up. I'm telling you now. I'm telling you, they do. <laughs> you better lock the door. They <laughs> it's not, you know, she's the same person inside that older body. She's not changed. And all the things still work. Ain't nothing changed. You know, she'll tell you that. Oh, ain't still work, man. Ain't gone. You know, <laughs> you know and, and there, there's that strong sense, you know, of con- conquering a younger person and all that. And so you have to be, it doesn't go away. It has to be managed and understood. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to go through the medical part of it and try to, you know. But there are chemical dynamics. There are physical dynamics. There are monthly dynamics, cycles, and things that affect urges and desires. And I think sometimes church is just not good at it. They're not good at talking about it. Because first of all, they're shy and ashamed. And so the conversations are partial. They're not total. You can't ask questions. Later on, we'll ask Q&A questions about it, and you can talk about it. It'll be fun. It'll be great. It'll be an incredible conversation in a few minutes But uh, after our break time. But part of what I think really helps is just a basic. So let me give you a formula. I want to give you a formula. First of all, I want to read a verse to you. Okay, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. By the way, these notes will be uploaded by Wednesday uh, if you have not heard them, and they will be uploaded under the title six, uh, Sex, the Guilt, the Gift We Can't Figure Out on the website. So you can type that in if you're watching this on demand or listening to it on demand, and you can find it. Uh, Genesis 1, 26. Here's what it says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our, own, our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the, all the earth, and every living, every living creep, every living thing, okay? Every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Pause right there. He made us to live in the world. That's what that basically says. You have dominion, you have a job, you take dominion over everything, you, you, you become productive, you go learn how the, why the grass is green, you do science, you do, that's what that's all about. You're made in his image to progress and grow and go to school, all that, take dominion of the fish of the sea, everything. That's the job. Second part of the conversation is, he says, now I want you to, beside that, be fruitful. That's the call to be sexually active. That's, that's what he said to Adam and Eve. Come here, guys, let me talk to you. I want you to do two things. I want you to be productive, and then I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply, have a lot of babies. 
I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to fill the earth. I don't want one or two. I want you to fill the earth. Then I want you to not only do that, but I want you to subdue the earth too. I want you to take charge of it. I want you to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowls of the air and so on. Every living thing that creeps on the earth, that's what I want you to have. That was God's vision for them. Now, that's pretty, pretty broad. But I want you to see that there was always involved in it that plan. Then I want you to notice this. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, gives a formula that will surprise you. It's a story. I'm going to read it to you real quick, and I'll tell you the story and show you three things, three important lessons that can help you and that can be applied to your sexual life. Number one. Here's where it goes. Ready? It's, uh, it's Matthew 17, verse 14. It says, when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic. And he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the, to the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now, let's be clear. This, I, there's no sign that this kid necessarily had epilepsy. This is, what his, this is his description of it. This is not what we would call that today. He had some emotional challenge and... He was uh, suicidal, throwing himself in the fire. But the only way that it translates into our language is this word epileptic. And the idea, again, is not that he necessarily had what we would define as epilepsy. But he's having fits. He's, he's, he's destructive. Now, so, now watch this. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? So he brought them to the, his disciples, and the disciples couldn't hear him. So then Jesus said to them, you guys are faithless, perverse. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. In this guy's case, this was a spiritual problem. This is, this is not like what I said, a, a physical ailment in the same sense that we would think of it. And, and the spirit came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then, verse 19, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, what, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Repeat that with me, please. Say, because of your unbelief. Okay, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will stay to this mountain. Move, move from here to there, and it will uh, move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and what? Fasting. What does this story have to do with that? Well, there's three things I want you to notice. Number one, this is a story of a family having an issue that's out of control. That's what I want you to see. I want you to notice that there are things that come up in your life and that can be out of control. You feel as if you can't do anything about it. And generally when it comes to our sexual lives, that's what people say to me. I don't know how to control that. I'll do my best. I'll try. I have zero. I, I, I don't know what to do. And, and, and again, you got to be careful because it can sound like I'm, I'm, I'm all, only talking about, you know, abstaining because there are married people in here and that's not your issue. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want you to notice with me there is this tremendous challenge in this family's life that they can't control. That's what I want you to focus on. And the first thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see a father with a sick son faced with an overwhelming challenge that he brought to Jesus. I want you to watch what he did. He brought his overwhelming challenge to who? Jesus. Whatever this is in your life, that have, whatever it is, whether it be your sex life, your money life, whatever, you bring it and you offer it to God and say, this is out of control. I want to be honest. This is something that's out of control. 
If you want to manage temptation, you have to first admit you're tempted. You have to say things like, I don't know what I'll do if I go over there. I have a great suspicion that I have a problem in this area of my life. I am not, I will watch that and I will enjoy it and that is probably not in my best interest. It's facing the truth about what tempts you, who tempts you, when they tempt you. You have to, you have to admit, this is me. And that doesn't mean you're bad, it just means this is important. Because Christians and church people make, make everybody bad. You're a sinner, you're bad, bad, bad. This is not about that. I want you to see the guy had a problem, he came to the right person. Number two, watch this, Jesus alone healed the man's son because he brought the challenge to him. Jesus can't heal what you don't bring to him. Until you can admit, I am this way, and I am in this state of mind for whatever reason, and there are all kinds of good reasons, and there are good reasons, not all bad reasons. My age, my time in life, my season, the month, or whatever. I, there are a lot of dynamics that play a part in this. And so, Father, this is where I am. And you bring that to him in an open, transparent way. And then I love this last part. Here's what he said. The disciples couldn't do anything because of two reasons. And this is important. They did not believe it was possible. If you ever give up on an issue in your life and you believe you can never overcome a temptation or a challenge then you never will. And let me just say this to married people. This idea that when you get single, people have this crazy idea. When you get married, it's all over. Temptation's gone out the window. Boy, you kidding. Now you're a pro. You know what to do. You are trained now. <laughs> you have practiced more than you want to talk about. And so you come to relationships sometimes if you're not careful, and you can get to a space in your head. Most of you know this. A lot of you single women, watch this. How many of you single women would say, married guys are some of the main ones approaching you. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Married guys are the main ones. They come up to you. They say things. Y'all ain't going to admit it. Okay. Yeah. They're the main ones who hide their rings, say things, and pretend. They're the main ones. And sometimes it's married women who have absolutely no, uh, matter of fact, they hope you are married because they don't want to get committed. And so temptation doesn't go away. But if you come to a conviction that you cannot be free, if you believe this is just the way I am, this is it. You know, I'm just, this is it. I'm never going to change. And then, here's the second thing. If you doubt and if you don't make the investment, Jesus told them this kind of change that this, that this young man needs, this kind of healing only comes through fasting and prayer. Can you say that with me? Please come on. Fasting and prayer. That's what he said. Only fasting and prayer. If you don't fast and if you don't pray, you don't make the spiritual investment, you're too weak to make the change. You won't have the, you won't, you won't have the heart to make the change. You won't care. There, there, and I, I come from a culture of not caring. I mean, when I, can't, when I say zero guilt, it was zero guilt. None at all. I know people who would tell you, and this is, it may sound like a, con, con, a contradiction, but I know good people who watch pornography. I know good people who have committed adultery. I know good people who struggle in their sex life. They don't know. They, they're married. They love each other. They love life, but they struggle with that whole area of expression. I know good people who are married who are highly dysfunctional. 
They, 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 their whole approach. I know good people. See, here's, here's what's hard to hear. They're good people. But they are good people. This, just because this area of your life is a challenge doesn't mean you're a bad person. It is an area of your life that needs to be healed and helped. And the only way that's going to happen is if there's honesty. The truth. So what's the truth about you? How do you manage this area of your life? Well, Pastor Rick, I'm strong like a steel bar, boy. <laughs> Good. I'm happy for you. I really am. I mean that sincerely. I'm not mocking you, man. I think that's great. But that is not true for everybody. And the question is, do you take that strength and impose it on everybody else and say, you should be where I am? A guy told me something I'll never forget. It was powerful. He said, you know, Pastor Rick, he said, you know, um, people who walk on tight ropes all their life are used to it. But some of us are scared to death of the tight rope. Some people are so afraid to be alone, they'll have sex just to have somebody around. They're so afraid to lose somebody, they just say, well, God, have to forgive me. Good people. Here's what you should do. <laughs> you got to make a decision. You know, you got you to you you decide, do you believe? That's what Jesus told the guy. He says, hey, these disciples couldn't help you because of their unbelief. Have you given up on this? Have you just surrendered to it and said, I can't change? I can't. I've been pastoring a long, long time. And I'm telling you the truth. There are people who have just said, one, one pastor told me, he said, everybody's going to have a weakness, sex is mine. That's what he told me. I don't, I don't know that I can't temple. God bless you, brother. I, I just don't know if I can. And so he scouts out a sheep here and there. And or generally one guy told me, well, at least I don't sleep with the people in my church. He said, that's a big step up, temple, don't you think? <laughs> you're missing the whole point dude <laughs> you're missing the point of what I'm saying sex is the only thing listen to me I wrote four things down and, and these will be in the notes you can get them later but sex there's this, this three, three things sex can do first of all let me say this sex is not evil it's created by God and, and, and it's created for pleasure and for procreation God designed it this is all his idea but it's a, gift, it's a gift that the enemy uses because we can actively participate. We don't control creation, but you can participate in the creation of life. And, and he mocks that by belittling that capacity, that ability. It, it's all about you not fully understanding the power of you being able to participate in creation. He allows you to be a part of it. You don't control it. And all you got to do is get pregnant. You realize that you don't control that. That this process starts and all of a sudden life cannot come together. It can, can, it cannot go well. You know, we've lost a child. We, we, um, we had that experience. And so I understand how that feels. That's when you realize this is a gift from God. Children are a gift from God, the Bible says. To have one is a blessing. But it's also the thing that can redefine your entire life. Your sexual habits can redefine the way you see yourself 
forever. It can, it can change all your options. It can change your family for generations. It can emotionally rewrite everything around you. And, 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 and this is why I often say, if you're going to, to manage sexual temptation, you will never manage it from a legalistic standpoint. You'll never do well by doing, I'm just not doing it. Holy, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. <laughs> That's not going to work. I just, I, there's a whole study on legalism that I, I think is worthy of us to do sometime in the future where it's centered in the book of Romans where Paul taught that you're saved by grace, you're under grace, not under law, and how the, the law brings guilt and shame, but, but we're no longer under law, we're under grace, and that um, in the end, we need to live without condemnation or shame before God. There's therefore now no condemnation of those that are in Christ. Romans 7, there's a sense where Paul says, in me there is no good thing. When I look at my flesh, when I desire to do good, evil is always before me. Then in chapter 6, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In chapter 5, he says, we're justified only by our faith. In chapter 4, he says, people like Abraham are our only hope. In chapter 3, he says, you know, all of us Jew and Gentile are just a wreck, a mess. <laughs> you know, he just talks about all these issues in our lives, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in chapter 3 of Romans. It's just in chapter 1 and 2 lays it out. We're just all messed up. And he, he's, his bottom line in, in Romans is, and Galatians, and the book of Hebrews, is you can't fix yourself. You need me. You need a real relationship with me to manage the things that will tempt you in life. You need me to help you and guide you. You need a genuine walk with me. If not, listen to me. Let me just tell you the truth. You're never going to change. There is no ability on your own to just walk up one day and fix this. See, here's, here's, what's that. here's, here's some other questions. Tell me, tell me about homosexual sex. Tell me about sex. all of it. Put it all in a box for a second. Here's the deal. Whatever you're dealing, whatever your temptation is, same sex or whatever it is, here's the deal. You'll never manage anything. I, and I, I have strong beliefs that God's will was God's will. He made Adam and Eve for a reason. There's a whole kind of, you don't need to, you know, get into feeling bad and think I'm picking on you because I'm not. I love everybody. But I'm just saying, I don't, if you ask me God's design, it was designed this way. And, and what happens is all of our sexual lives become confused and everything gets all mixed up. And, and, and we just we find ourselves in this dark place of confusion. And Jesus says, can we just start over again? How about let's not say what the culture taught you. Let's not talk about your preferences. Let's just come to me. I made you in my image, in my likeness. Why don't you ask me what I want for you? Why don't you come to me and let me help you? Like that man who had a son that was out of control. He came to me. You need to come to Jesus. And I'm not just talking about a get saved and come to the altar and fall out and pray with me tonight. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about a moment where I sat back with God and I remember 
as a teenager saying, hmm, okay. And I just began to pray. Father, I thank you. For my life, I don't quite understand what I'm tempted to do and what I'm feeling because there's no adult, and this is the truth, who explained it to me. So just help me figure it out and guide me to the right voices and the right people. And help, help me to appreciate my sexuality and not allow it to control me and drag me into places I don't want to be or need to be. I don't need this, to, this gift to wreck my finances, wreck my future, wreck my choices, control my life, whether I'm married or single. I need to be able, Lord God, to serve you and to trust you with all of me. And so, Father, if there's anything in my life that would stop me, from being in control, I speak against that now. And I began to pray those kind of prayers. And all through high school and college, I continued those prayers. And I fought. It was hard. It's hard to be with somebody you love or you like or you feel strong attraction to and to say, kiss only this long. Do not move your hips. Stand still. <laughs> Leave now. <laughs> it's time to go. Goodbye. This is not going well. I am out of control. But if I stay on this road, and you can give me some music because I'm about done now. If, if at the end of the day, I believe hearing God, one message I heard in my heart from the Lord to me, was pretty profound and proved to be very true. And I was around 17 years old, had dated somebody that did not want Jesus. She wanted me. <laughs> I thought she wanted Jesus. That experience, that failure, that moment taught me a lesson. I'd been saved for a couple of years. It taught me this is not going to get better or easy for me. What I need to do is be more honest with myself and tell myself the truth. You are a man. And there are things that come upon you that blind you. I didn't know it was dopamine. I didn't know about endorphin. I didn't know any of that language. I didn't understand what was happening to me. You know, you confuse it with love. No, it's not. It's not love. You know what love is? <laughs> love is cleaning up somebody's vomit, wiping their behind when they're, when they're pooping on themselves. and That's love. Love is helping when you ain't got no money. Love is getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, taking you to the doctor when you're sick. Love is, love is hanging with you when you're not all that wonderful, when you fail. They didn't love me, and I didn't love them. But at 17, something clicked in my head. Jesus, uh-huh. This is the word that came to me. I will never be able to use you 
if you don't get a handle on your flesh, on your sexual appetite. I will never, that, that came to you, I will never be able to use you. And let me expand on that. What that meant was I'll never be able to trust you with the women in the church. I'll never be able to trust you with the young girls who come by. Your wife will never be able to say to a young college girl, here's my husband's number. Give him a call. He's really good at that kind of stuff, girl. Without any fear or worry. My dad would never be able to walk up to me and say, hey, my daughter's going off to school. Can I give her your number? Do you mind if she calls you sometimes? I would never be able to go to Los Angeles or other cities where they're in school and they look me up and say, Pastor, when you're in town, can you and your wife come by or can I call you and talk to you about my intimate life or my sexual failures or my life? The things they say to me, the things that were told to me yesterday, the things that, that the husbands say, would you, my wife's got a problem, Pastor Rick, and, and I don't want to know what it is. It's some guy or some dude thing and she's got some attraction to dudes and can you talk to her, man, for me? But don't ever tell me what she said. So why would you come to a dude and she likes guys? Because there's something in that guy you trust. That's what God was saying to me. He was saying, I'll never be able to use you if you don't get a handle on this area of your life. Because you got to understand, temptation is in first class sitting on an international flight. Temptation is in Europe and Asia. Temptation's all over the world. It's around the corner. It's at the mall. Can you be trusted? Can God rely on you? Father, I pray today that what we talked about they would start believing that you have the best answer. They'd bring their weaknesses to you. Can we all stand, please? Father, I lift up before you every person in this room, every temptation that has gone through the minds of people. Some have felt guilt and some have felt shame. Heal them today of that. Lord, there are good people in this room striving, wanting your best. Just like that man came to Jesus broken child who was throwing himself into fire, throwing himself into risk and danger. Just like you healed that young boy, heal them today. Heal them and stir them to believe that you love them where they are and that whatever has been in their past can be in their past. They can be good people who do things that help advance them and that don't hinder them but empowers them. So, God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. You learned something today? Every head bowed one more time, every eye closed. Father, I pray if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you, save you. They've not made a commitment to Jesus. Maybe after hearing this, they go, you know, maybe my walk with Jesus is not what I thought it was. Maybe I'm a good person, but I have not made that decision. Pastor Rick, could you pray for me before I leave here today that this could be a day when I, I reaffirm my walk with God? You made me think about that a little bit. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want me to pray for you, just raise your hand. Say, yeah, pray for me, Pastor. I want you to pray. I see you. I see three, four, five, six. Anybody else? I see you. 
Father, I pray for all those who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts. Every hand lifted, please. We pray for you to break free, heal, deliver, strengthen those who come. And may they leave this place inspired that they will serve Jesus, knowing that you are a forgiver. I thank you, and I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. God is good. Pastor Rick entertained questions from the audience pertaining to the topic of how to manage sexual temptation. Let's take a listen. What if your significant other doesn't have a relationship with God or isn't interested in getting a relationship with God? If I, if I were to ask that question, what if your significant other doesn't have a relationship with God, right? It would be like, what if... Um, I got in a car, and I'm trying to go to Orlando, but the person's going to New York. It's the same thing. It, it's, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to go to Orlando. He's trying to go to New York. So we're going to have to deal with whether I'm just willing to give up going to Orlando and just go to New York. That's pretty much it. It, you know... When you get deep into a relationship, past, kissing, hugging, sex, and now we've got to deal with family, kids, priorities, savings, living together, raising children, setting values. I believe in going to church. They don't believe in going to church. I believe in not cussing and blah, blah, blah. They believe cussing's all right and a little bit of pornography is great and it helps your sex life. I mean, that's what he thinks or she thinks. So now how in the world are we going to, can, the Bible said, can two walk together except they be agreed? That's why the Bible says don't be equally yoked together. But that doesn't just mean Christian or not Christian. You can marry a Christian. You can marry a guy in church, a woman in church, and, and they have completely different values than you do. And you end up in a bad place because we don't agree on how we should live our lives. So it's not just about whether he's a, have a relationship with God or not. It's whether this person's equally yoked with me or not. Does that make sense? Okay, good. So do you want to go to Orlando or New York? You got to decide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Another question okay. Oof. So it's trying to think. Just throw it out there, girl. I'll fix it. Go for it. Okay. Oof. I'm trying not to make it too personal. Cause make it personal, girl. Throw it in the river. It's fine. <laughs> that don't bother me. Throw it out there. Okay. What advice can you give a young lady who's in an open relationship with her ex-boyfriend? If it's an open relationship, by that we mean you can have sex, you can be with somebody else, I can be with somebody else, if it means that kind of thing. It depends on what we mean by open. If, if I, I, I personally believe in closed-in relationships, which means you mine, you mine, well, I'm yours, uh, because open can mean a lot of things. So I don't know that that helps anybody long-term. If we're going to all see other people, what, what are we doing? What is this about? You know, we kind of like, you know, not sure. And there's a moment where I think you have to have a conversation. Uh, Diane and I had a conversation. She, she, you know, she's done so many cool things in, in dating that really I thought was special. She said, I'm not interested in this hanging out, hang out, if, if this is not a possibility at some point, you know. And the way she said it, you know, I looked at her like, shoot, you know you're a possibility. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This woman here. Are you kidding me? Ooh, Lord. Man. Sorry. 
smitten. No, I really was. I was smitten. I mean, she was at the top of the charts in my book. But part of the part of what I think you should do is I don't think you should be kind of like playing the field. It should be an honest. I don't believe necessarily it has to be that. Okay, that means that we've agreed to be married when we start dating. That wasn't what she was saying at all. But if you're dating, if you're dating with, if you're with somebody, I don't need to be with her and five other women going eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Which one of these do I want to go? You know, and I, it's not like the bachelor thing. It shouldn't be like that. So I don't believe. I don't really believe that the Bible. The Bible talks about covenant relationships. It talks about intimate relationships. It doesn't describe the whole. Matter of fact, let me go a little further. The way the Bible describes this plural marriage thing, where you have more than one wife, that was never God's plan either. God always wanted you to be in a relationship with a person. I think you can, can you can consider two or three people, but if you mean by open, we can all date other people and then come back together. I don't I don't, I don't think that's healthy. I think you end up with a broken heart. Mm. Yes. Any any okay? There's one question here. Yeah. Any yeah, others? Yeah. Raise your hand high so we, we can see. We have one in the back. We have one in the back as well. Okay, go for it. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Um. Okay. Now, this gonna sound crazy. We can throw it out there. But I be telling people, I'm a reclaimed virgin. You are I, what now? Reclaimed virgin. Okay, gotcha. As got in, you. I'm now aware, and you know, like of my body as far as like you know sex and whatnot so it's in the fact where now i have knowledge so i'm not as quick to throw myself out and i'm more reserved because the further you go along i feel like it's kind of like you know keep me i it's like a reward the further you go along i feel better about it Mm -hmm. without sex Mm -hmm. but if somebody and i don't know how to tell them without hurting their feelings that i'm not you know what i mean like i don't want sex i don't want none of that I don't know how to say that without hurting their feelings, you know? Well, what you do is you just don't say it like that. Don't say, I don't want none of that now, okay? No, no. <laughs> well, I mean, because the world, you know where yeah. we in right no, now. I, no, I understand. I'm, I'm teasing you, man. I get, your point is a great question. I, here's what I mean by it. You just, you just, you just kind of negotiate with the people you're talking to and say, let's talk about your view of A, B, or C, of sex. You know, how do you feel about sex? What is your view of it? I like some of the conversations I've had with some of our young women. They're amazing. One girl told me, she said, look, Pastor Rick, if I don't have sex, I don't think we're in a relationship. Nah, I just, that's it. And, and, and so she makes sure that she orients everybody she dates. That's her conviction. And I can't change her mind, so I just love it and move on. You know, um, I think you have to just talk about it. I, I think you should talk about it before you get to kissing, and hugging and moving hips. Because if you if you if if one person is not for it and another person's for it, what can happen is you get pulled into it. So I'd rather just kind of set the boundaries and see if they can live with that. Some people can't live with that. So if that's the person that can't live with that, you need to find somebody that can. So just be nice about it. You know, have a have a big big boy big girl conversation. Uh, if we're going to date, we need to have a conversation anyway. And so it don't have to be like right away, but at some point. Especially when we start getting to that place where we're going to start, you know, being intimate, kissing, hugging, holding hands, and getting, you know, and then hanging out at each other's house and stuff. We need to have boundaries in our head and help each other with those boundaries. What's hard is when you have somebody that's not helping you with it. 
Oh, that's fine with me. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'm fine. Ain't no sex. <laughs> when you when they when they start acting like that, you know you lying. You gonna you gonna trick me up. You know you know my little weaknesses and you know you know when you wink your eye, I go crazy. So <laughs> so so you just need to have have a conversation that's honest, and then um, you know that that's what I would say. But that's a great question, man. Yeah, somebody else. All right, um, this question is for, like, related to marriage. All right, so say you're married to someone, and uh, you're a believer, but the spouse is not a believer. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that grounds for a divorce? You married them that way? No. I know I got a, a friend of mine that ended yeah. up in that situation. So did he marry this person when they were a non-believer? Uh, yes. And now he wanted a divorce because he's a believer? Yes. No, no. Tell that boy to leave his wife alone. No, she wanted... First Corinthians seven says, "If she wants to stay, let her stay." It, you know, it, that, just because a person's not a believer in Jesus, it doesn't go to church. It's not grounds to divorce them. No, it can get some good people that don't go to church. You have a great wife, great husband. Some people in this church, they got some great husbands and wives. Don't go to church. I love they're good friends of mine, and they're not church people, but they're good people. They treat their wife right, and you treat their husband right. So I don't believe that's no, that's not grounds. First Corinthians seven. Read the first like twelve verses. It talks about that. So yeah, somebody else. Well, okay, right, right here in the front. Right in the front, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so I was, um, I went to a, let's do that differently. I heard a sermon once where I heard a pastor make the comment, if um, if married men are constantly hitting on you or married people hit on you, that means that you um, you look like you like to play. And that's how you're carrying yourself. And I kind of took offense to that because I was like, married men hit on me all the time. I don't want none of them. And I'm very direct when I say, I think you might need to go talk to your wife or I can talk to her for you, but I'm not, like, I'm not into that. And I don't want anyone to look at me as if I'm carrying myself that way. But how do you, how do you, I guess, I don't even, I want to say, how do you not carry yourself that way? But I'm like, I'm just being a confident woman. I'm not trying to get a married man. Yeah, let me say this to you. First of all, um, I forgot the name. There's a name for that kind of blame. It's not misapplied blame, but it's another. I can't think of it now, but that's ridiculous. That, to, to say, I, I mean, I understand why. We get, sometimes we preachers get in these. We say things that we can't, nobody can answer questions. Jesus used that. The guy said, hey, can I ask you what you mean by that? You know, see, Jesus had to talk to the disciples. It wasn't, you wasn't hiding behind a pulpit. You didn't have any lights on. You know, you couldn't say crazy stuff. People didn't ask you. And I think sometimes when we say things, we don't think beyond, beyond that. You know, you got to be careful. So here's my, here's my response. Because pe- people hit on you because you're cute. People hit on you because they, they like you. So that's a compliment. Thank you. That's it. So now that's all there is. It ain't deep. You know, that's just, that's the, you don't have to feel that that's your fault. What you have to do is make sure you, you are not contributing to it. And if, that, if that's the case, then you know you're the one who decides that. As far as blaming all people who hit on, so if some woman hits on him, that means he's, he's knocking on the door. If anybody ever knock on your door. I went, I, went, I went to Burger King one time, and the lady say, that Pastor Ricky? Oh, you're so handsome. I said, oh, boy, look at that. That was nice. I drove to the <laughs> and then she followed me to the next line, you know, and they, they took a picture and all. I thought, okay, you know, yeah, okay. I tried to comb my hair and everything, you know. But, I mean, I, I, that's okay that people are attracted to you. Just, just if they fly, wave at them like that and run them off, okay? 
That's good. You got the flat thing, right? Okay. Okay, we have, oh, we have a question in the back. I yes. See, I see you. Um, a friend of mine and I had a conversation about a week or so ago. Both of, both of us are married. Mm -hmm. um, and she was telling me that, I guess, her sexual appetite is a little higher than her spouse's. Mm -hmm. And it's to the point where it's making her feel like, I guess, feel unwanted by him um, unattractive, things like that. And she's like been having, you know, tempting thoughts or, you know, thoughts of temptation have been running through her head, but she hasn't stepped out on her husband or anything and she didn't know what to do about it. Did she talk to him? She, yeah, she said she's, she's talked to him about it and he just keeps telling her, you know, basically that his drive is not, you know, as high as hers. But she say, like, when she, you know, does try to initiate it, sometimes he, like, pushes her away or, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. things like that. And she's, I don't know, I guess she's starting to feel like, you what, know. What, how old is he? He is, we're all around the same age. I think he's 37 or 38. 37, 38. Yeah, he's 37, 38. Um, her and I are the same age. We're both mm -hmm. 36. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. some, there are reasons for that. Sometimes, you know, there are physical reasons, biological reasons. Sometimes it's medical stuff, you know. I don't know if he's getting checked, been to the doctor, said that to his doctor. It's a good thing mm -hmm. to say, hey, man, I'm well, starting to lose interest. Well, she thinking you know? it's a physical mm -hmm. reason, like, on her part, because they've been together, mm -hmm. um, I think they've been together almost 10 years, mm -hmm. um, been married five, mm -hmm. and they have one child together. So she, you know, just thinking that, you know, no, I guess like it's a physical thing or her. I, I or, think she, I, I think she, what you don't want to do, and this is good for you people who are not married. See, when you get married, you still have issues. See, see, see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you thought it would solve all your problems. Let me help you right now. It doesn't. And, and, and women are not used to hearing that about men because they think all men never, ever lose interest at all, which is not true. Um, I, I would think that first I would, I would encourage them to go to counseling about it. I would say, let's go, and then I would ask my doctor, let him, you know, tell him what my, my issues are. And then are there issues in the way that they relate that make him uncomfortable that he's not been able to just say? Because men are always verbal. And sometimes you've you got to give, guys don't get hints all the time. So you have to kind of give them some guidelines. So that's what I would say. We can talk more about that later, okay? okay. Thank you. Somebody else? Okay. Yes, right here. Okay. Are you all okay? Yes. All right, good. Ask what you want. Who passed the last question? Okay. <laughs> okay, so it's this guy I was talking to. I'm a young girl. I'm 18. And he was, I'm going to say this, he was a mama boy. Mama so, boy. So, yeah. Okay. And she had, she had a lot of expectations of me of what she wanted me to be for her son. And I would always try to, you know, live up to what she wanted me to be so I could be this perfect little girlfriend of his or whatever. And in the process of us processes all that, I kind of lost myself and my my self-worth in the middle of that. So it took me a long time to find my self-worth and find out what I who I was who I was really as as a girl. That's what I was trying to say. So my question is was I wrong for what, leaving and not, you know, staying and working it out with him or 
was I right for leaving? Here's what I think at 18. You ready? This is my opinion, okay? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of life to live, and I think y'all love too hard too early. That's my mm -hmm. opinion. I think, I think that you, you, should, you should go ahead and, and work on your own life, school, education, career, and don't take any relationship that seriously. I mean, whatever she thought. And mama's boys ain't too bad. I'm a mama's boy. You know what I'm saying? My mama died. Yeah. You know, so I love my mama. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I kind of like that a little bit. My, yeah. Plus, I, I think, but I understand your point. I, but I think you need more time um, in your life before you overinvest in there. So I wouldn't go back. I'd go forward. Okay. okay? All right. Thank, thank you. you. Somebody else? Okay. I have what a couple you, of what questions here. What you got for me? So one question is on the subject, and it's so funny. We have another one that's the same. It says, is masturbation okay whether you are single or married? And then explain. Is it a sin? Uh, Diane? <laughs> Diane, I have a question. <laughs> I, missed um, I missed it. I was greeting someone. Ask that question again. Go ahead. So the question is, uh, has to do with masturbation. So it says, is masturbation okay? Is it a sin whether you are single or married? And then explain. Okay. That's the way you got me asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with help each other. I'm just trying to Eat listen. Eat my sandwich. Yes. You're, you're okay. Anyway, oh here we go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> was that cold-blooded? What? That was, that was a low down, low down, low down. Um, okay, here's a, here's a question you got to ask yourself about sex when you are single. Should I be having sex is the question. You know, if if I'm having sex with myself, if I'm having sex with somebody, now if you ask the secular person, and, and they're gonna say, "Oh yes, this for us, good expression practice. It gives you great, great, you know, emotional release. Shows you what to do with somebody. It kind of gives you." So that's what the secular people are gonna tell you. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that I can, in the context of the Bible, say that to you. Okay, so we're having a biblical discussion. I can't say that to you. Here's what I can say. Um, you train yourself through masturbation, where to find pleasure. You train yourself. And one of the books is called, there's two books that I think were interesting. One is hard for me to read. It was called He's Got a Secret. And it's the other one, no, She's Got a Secret. No, it's called Every Man's Battle is one. That's for guys. And then the other one was called She's Got a Secret. And it was just kind of hard for me to plow through all the, all the language and all the illustrations as a guy. And I just kind of put it down for a minute to pray over it because it was like weighing me out. Um, but in, in, the, in that series of books, the author talks about how that you train yourself if you're not careful, if you're married, you train yourself to find pleasure with yourself and not with your spouse. That your body is very mechanical in terms of how it operates and so the pleasure centers of your brain, that's why crack works so well. If you smoke crack and you get high, you get dopamine, all, all, all that, like, bam, whoa, look at that. Wow, get that reward drug. All of a sudden, your body says, that's a shortcut. I ain't got to go have sex. I can just do that. And so now when you get ready to feel like you need pleasure, you just go get your, there you go. Hey, that's it right there. I ain't got to go through all them changes, take off my clothes and stuff. I can just smoke a pipe, you know. And so you start to preferring the pipe because of the way your, your body works. And, and because your body is neu neu neuroplasticity, your, your body can be trained, you end up wanting that more than you want your wife or anybody else. That's what some say, okay? And so I argue that if you are a single person, married person, 
Uh, Romans, Proverbs 5 says, find satisfaction in your wife. Proverbs 5 says that you are in your spouse. Uh, Songs of Solomon talks about finding pleasure in each other. I think the danger is if you end up finding more pleasure with yourself and not with each other, then you end up losing that whole part of your life if you're not careful. So you, you weigh that out. You think about it. You know, married people can kind of figure it out in terms of how they feel about that um, because masturbation was a question, right? Right, okay. So um, in terms of... Um, a single person, from a biblical standpoint, should you be sexually active? That's the question. That's the big question. And what will this generate in me, and will I end up doing more things than I started out doing? Uh, what path am I on when I'm on this masturbation path? Will I end up being a person who is um, training himself or herself to only be with me, and will it then translate into a difficulty when I get to a place where I'm trying to be intimate with a person. Um, but, you know, people are going to hear what I say and pray on it and decide their own destiny. Um, uh, I don't think you'll die. Um, you, don't, you, don't, you don't necessarily, you don't, you, people want me to just say no, and I can say that, but you're going to do what you want to do anyway. So my, uh, my idea is to say, listen, I think you need to be unafraid to wait and unafraid to save yourselves for that expression when you're married. If you don't want to wait, then God loves you, and he'll help you work it out. I know that sounds like I'm saying two things, but I, I, I live in two worlds. I live in the world of what I know to be principally true, and I live in the world of what people do and tell me they do. And I know people who say, Pastor, I cannot stop doing that, and God loves me, and I said he does, and and, but then I've had many who say, I get it, that what I've done is train myself. So when I get married now, I don't even want to be with anybody. And that creates all kind of complications. So theologically, biblically, I don't think you're supposed to be sexually active. So on, from a biblical standpoint, we're not having sex. That's what we're doing. I am, I am waiting for marriage. I'm a virgin. I am a whatever virgin you said. Um, Claimed. Yeah. And if I stir up this pot, uh, what will I create? Um, will I create more lack of control issues for me? Um, and so I don't know if that answers your question. But that, that's my best answer. And just to be clear, um, this would also go along with using, like, sexual toys and things too, right? Yeah, they make, about make All more, that's the same. So it, is yeah, it okay to use them? No, all that's going to make the – it's going to stir the pot more. It's going to make it – I mean – the question is, do you want, what, are you, what is your sexual attitude? What are you trying to do? You know, I think one of the most amazing things to do is when you're sitting there, right, with your significant person you care about, and you got your arm around them, and then you got your leg around them, and then you should stop yourself and say, so what are we doing? What, what exactly are we doing right now? We are, we are about to have sex, and... And is that consistent with where I'm trying to go? Is that what I want for my life? Is this, is this it? Because here's what's going to happen. On the other side of marriage, you just heard a story. On the other side of marriage, that ain't enough. And if that's all we got, and then we're going to throw God out, well, well okay, well, um, I have a love for God that goes beyond my sexual drive. Because if I didn't... Um, I, and I'll ask myself that question. So after you do this, what's going to happen? If you were to do that, what's going to happen? What's going what's to be, what's the next thing? What's, what's, what, you going to give up your church, your life? What are you going to do? Hook up with this little person you saw at the, at the counter? 
Really? You that you crazy today? You think she's special or something? What's wrong with you? I talk to myself, and I, I make sure that I understand. In every sexual temptation I face, or any that you face, you have to ask yourself, is this where I'm supposed to be, and where will this lead me? That's my question to myself. So, and that's what gives me the power to say, no, I think I'll wait. I think I'll, I'll this goes here, not over there. And so no toys, uh, no game. What if you're married with toys? Y'all need prayer. I'm going to pray for y'all. Pray for y'all. That's all I'm going to say. I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. No, I, no I, you know, I, I stay out of that. I tell people, look, y'all married, I'm going to stay out of that. Y'all, y'all go to the store and be looking at stuff. Oh, get that, oh, that, weapon, that weapon right there. That'd be great. <laughs> get that. That'll pow. That'll, that'll be. <laughs> All right, let's I'm go sorry. to the next question. You better run fast. Get me out of this, man. <laughs> <laughs> no more questions like that. Go for it. <laughs> how do you know if you know how to love? Um, when, you, when you know how to think beyond yourself. Hmm. Yeah. 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 That's it. You know, Because it, it, it is about, be, it's beyond you. Kids teach you that. You know, they, they, they do. They do stuff. You know, um, my little grandbaby has a habit. She used to. She's better now. She's, if I had some grapes, she'll say, Pop, Pop, I like grapes. I said, well, good, baby. She said, those are my grapes. See, now we have a problem. These are not your grapes. <laughs> and then she come try to take them. And so we had to educate. Thou shalt not take from Pop, Pops, okay? And then, of course, Diane, you're going to get that baby them grapes, right? You know what? No, she needs to learn not to. Okay, here, girl. <laughs> but think about you on yourself and, you know, yeah. That's what love is. That's good. Any, any questions on the floor before I go back here? Okay. Okay. So it says, since, um, I guess since the Bible talks about being fruitful and multiplying, um, does, the, does the choice of having a, whether it's a vexectomy or having a tooth tied, is that a sin or is that wrong? No, I don't think it's wrong. I, I think it's stewardship of your body. I think if you, you're to the point where you don't want to have any more kids and, and there's, a, there's a technology that allows you to prevent that, I don't think that's a sin or wrong anything, no. No, I think it's wrong to keep having kids and you know you don't want to take care of them and end up in child care somewhere. You know, no, uh-uh, not at all. No, we decided that we didn't want, that was the end <laughs> of the wagon. <laughs> so it's okay. I just think you have to be careful when you do it because... Here's what people assume. You're going to live forever. Your spouse is going to live forever. You never will remarry. I think you have to be careful about the age and the season of life you do that in. If you do it too young and you assume this person is going to live forever and then you end up in a second relationship, I've seen that many times, then you've got to go back and try to reverse it. I just think you've got to weigh all that out. That's all. Yes. Okay, this is almost similar to what we've answered already, but what if your other, your significant other doesn't, Really like going to church. Yeah, just, be, just if they don't, if you're, you mean like your husband or you're just a significant other? Significant other. So you can't force anybody to go to church. Just be a church in front of them. Just, just be, you know, just be nice. You know, I mean, but but then that asks the question: If this is your husband, right, someone you're married to, your wife, then you know that's that's their decision. You love them, you care about them, like your kids. If they decide not to go, you love them, you care about them. Um, if it's, if it's somebody you're dating and sitting for marriage, you got to consider, okay, now what does that mean for our future? You know, if you're not, if I got to make you worship God, then, you know, they're not going to, they're not, there are a lot of things connected to your spiritual decisions. And do I want to give you the power in my life like that? 
So here's one. What are your thoughts on the show Married at First Sight? So there's a show. <laughs> yeah, I know about that show. Oh, okay. So yeah. what are your thoughts about that? I, I think it's comical. comical. I think it's comical. It's cute. It's sexy. Oh, he looked like, whoa, that's the one coming down now. But he crazy as a bat and you don't know it. You know, no, I wouldn't. I would never marry anybody at first sight. I have had moments where I saw somebody and I was smitten by them. And, and when you get that smitten moment, I call it cute. Everybody has a cute. Can you say cute? That means, oh, boy, oh, the way they talk or move their hair or whatever, uh, the way he just move his chest out. But you don't know him. You don't need to be falling in love with nobody you don't know because you don't know what you're loving. Could be loving, right. a, could be loving a crazy person. So I think that's 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 a. I understand. I I saw the show a few times and they may have a good result here and there. But and, and it's fun for television. But for real life, I would never do that. I know people who've done that. I know people who saw somebody got married to them a few days later. And and but no, this show you don't even see. It. You get married like right then. Yeah, right Bam. Oh, that's real crazy. <laughs> No, that's that's fun. You know, somebody else is deciding for you. They did the psychologist. And like, uh, no, nobody deciding that for me. I gotta know. I gotta know for myself. You know, I, I'm not. It's good TV. That's all I'm gonna say. It's good TV. It is fun. Yeah, you had a question here. Oh, we'll get you a mic. Yeah, go ahead and do one while you while you while while we're okay. Uh, do you think sex should be discussed before marriage, and how do you discuss that? You sh- yeah, you need to talk about. Do they believe in it? And do they, because I, I know people who got married and, 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 and a number of people, and they didn't believe in having sex after they got married. They told, they told them, they said, no, I don't believe in nah, uh, like, like having sex all, like all the way. I believe, no, this is the truth. I'm not making this up. I believe in, um, you know, like having a little foreplay, but uh, like going all that, going all in and out. Oh, no, no. I had women tell her, no, I don't do that. Don't go all the way now. You can't go all the way. And he, she was shocked. He said, what? Well, how, how, how far are we going? He said, one told, this is true, it was this, this, one of my classic moments. He said, she said, I just wanted companionship. He said, you should have got a cat. <laughs> you know, when you're counseling, you can't, you can't laugh. You got, oh, okay, that was good. Man, that, was a, that was the best one I heard in a long time. He told her she should have got a cat. And she didn't believe in all the way. She believed in like getting started and cranking up the engine and cutting the car off. That's what she believed in. And I've seen that several times. And then another one I know, she said, you no, know, guy, guy said he don't believe in all that. It's too tiring. It would make you tired. He can't. I mean, oh, yeah, I hear some stuff. I have to look straight. I keep my eyes open. You can know when it's good because I go like this. I keep my eyes open. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from, I mean. That you need to know what they think. You need to know whether they believe. And I think you should have that conversation. You know, you should say, okay, let's have a sexual conversation. You know, let's talk about sex. What's your view of it? You know, and, and see, can they even talk about it? Because some people can't talk about it. You know, can I ask you to have sex? You know, okay, is that okay? No. When, uh, and some people don't know what to do. They say, well, do you, um, do you mind? Uh, 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 and one couple, they, they were so, they were so, they were so, uh, so shy. What they would do is, he 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 go to her and go like this, put the cup upside down, and if she said okay, he, she turned it back upside. And I mean, we can we can yeah. They couldn't ask. She couldn't. They were so he'd be looking on the mantel to see if the thing is up or down, up or down, see what's going to happen. Oh yeah, and I understand that. I'm not making fun of anybody because people are shy, people have history, people have abuse. There's a lot of reasons why people are like they are, and and you need to see 
that it is hard for people to, it's a very exposing personal experience. And, and then it don't always work right. Things ain't always right. You know, ain't like TV. Everything's always perfect. And you know, I be all, all, over the, all over the map. Get married. You see, it's all over the map. One someday you rate them. Day is a ten. Two is two. Minus five. It's just, you, still, you know, it's just. I mean, you know, and 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 sometimes you don't know how to tell people. Now you can't be doing that move. That is, hey, that hurt me for five weeks. You know, I can't. You can't do that one. That's the big hurt. That's that's the karate throw. You know, and so. It's a lot of things about sex that are hard for people to talk about. And so that's why you end up with people who are frustrated. So what was the question? I got all off. We don't know. Okay, it was good. I answered it. Amen. (laughs) Should you discuss sex before marriage? Yes, you should. You should. And you should talk about birth control. You should talk about, you know, do you believe in birth control? Because people don't believe in birth control. They know, I ain't never going to use no pill like that. My mama tried it. I killed her. You need to know that. She don't believe in birth control. You need to know that she don't believe in having sex often. She believes in it once a month or once a year. I mean, no, I'm I'm not making this up. I'm telling you what I know. You don't ever need to marry anybody without understanding their view. And, 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 and I think it's, it, married couples have trouble with sex, money, communication, big three, and family, those four. And children come in there too, but that, those are the big issues. And, and so if it was just simple and easy, then you, it wouldn't be trouble. But it's trouble because when you get past, you know, smiling and and. And, 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 you know, when you're single, you be sneaking and trying to fool around. Then you, 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 you save and you know you ain't supposed to, but you, you do it anyway. Then you feel guilty and you pray. You know, it's all. But when it's legal, it's just legal. <laughs> it's all the time, day, night, come home from work, lunchtime, whatever you want to do. And then after a while, you get, you know, you say, man, I ain't doing all that work. It's tired now. I got to go to the gym, exercise to be able to do. And even women, or it's not as good, or body chemistry, or they don't bathe every day. You know, you know you'd be surprised. You know, hey, people don't take baths all the time. You'd be surprised. You don't know what people do. You don't live with them. You don't know what they do. And you find out they go to the bathroom, don't cut the fan on. Say, oh, please cut the fan on when you go in there. It's bad. It's crossing, I'm serious, you cross the line, now you are different. It's different. They sloppy, it's stuff all over the floor, everything. You, you know, bed full of clothes. How are we going to have these clothes all over the bed? You do, you, you're eating in the bed. I, I see pork and beans under the cover, you know. It's, 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 no, I'm serious. You get, you get intimate and close with people, they, you know, they, they, they're not, they're, they're, they are, it, it may, all, all of it becomes complicated because sex is tied to relationship, yeah. environment. It's, it, you'd be surprised how much it's linked to. And so when things start going down, you'd be surprised some reasons, sometimes why the person is hesitant or slow. And so you want to talk about it. But, you know, don't have, but don't talk about it and, and then go lay down or something. Talk about it and leave. So, okay, I, we talk, we got to go. I can't hang around. I talked about sex now. I need to leave and calm down, and then we talk later. But don't, don't talk, over-talk about it. Don't be saying, I like um, move number four and <laughs> move number three. Don't be talking because you, you get each other all riled up and, and, and out of control. And don't be doing that. I had to, you know, don't be doing that. <laughs> so, so finish that sentence, Pastor Rick. He <laughs> pulled that sentence back. No, I had somebody I dated one time did that. She'd always talk about it. I said, you know what? You need to stop that now in Jesus' name. You don't need to be telling me what number number seven and eight. I don't want to hear about that. Because, and then she did. You know, she didn't. She didn't stay right enough of that. That wasn't Diane, by the way, but go ahead. I think we had a question on the second row. Do you still have a question? Um, 
this is like I think it was two questions ago. Okay. Um, you was talking about love, and I was just gonna say, you know how everybody they say when you find somebody you like or you love, it's gonna be that spark. You gonna know that you know that you know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you never loved, you're not gonna you're gonna think every time you see somebody, it's still gonna be love. So I'm I'd be confused on how are you supposed to know. You know what I mean? And then as far as prayer, you pray about it and be like, is this the one? And them signs don't be immediate. So, <laughs> you know, you know, you know what I think I, in regards to that. I, I really believe that when you love a person, you sacrifice for that person. That that your willingness to to invest in her or him is complete. It's all. It's it's not fake, phony. It's genuine. So your willingness to sacrifice is a willing is the way you measure love. It's my wife. The Bible says, you know, when a person is willing to lay their life down for a person, and that's not just dying for a person. It's, 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 I feel from my wife, I felt from the first serious dating season we were in, she's totally committed to me. So when she has, she has time for me, she's never, she's always fought to have time for me, and I've always fought to have time for her. Um, I don't, she doesn't play those games. She doesn't, she doesn't, she never abuses money ever. She's never, she doesn't want me for my money. She doesn't want me for anything I can provide for her ever. I mean, um, she could, she, she could have a, she could do a lot of things she doesn't do. She have to work. She can stay home. She does. I make enough money. She don't have to do any of that. But that would not, that's not how she thinks. She doesn't want me to feel used. It's really important to her. I don't know if you noticed it. She brought me a sandwich. She brought me a sandwich, and she brought the kind of sandwich I like. I said, you know, girl, you all right. <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. I was touched by that. I told her, I said, thank you. That was nice of you. She said, and then she told me, she said, she said always. Yes. Uh, moan, people. Groan at that. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's 39 years of marriage, and she's still rolling like that. I don't, I don't feel like Valentine's Day is only her day. That's woman's holiday. You know, men don't get nothing. You waiting on your flowers. Where are my flowers? Yeah, right, 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 right. But anyway, so any other questions? Yes, we have two more, two more? unless we have another one on the floor. Okay, go for it. That's not from emotion, y'all. It's getting over a cold. Okay, so <laughs> do you believe there's one person you're meant to be with? And what I mean is like maybe let's say if you were married, before and maybe something tragic happened no, you lost that person. I don't believe that. Okay. I, I believe there's the best person. I believe there is a person in this season of your life. But if something were ever happened to me, I wouldn't think that Diane should never never marry again. I think he'd be uglier than me and big head and everything. But <laughs> isn't that terrible? That's terrible. That's awful. That was that's messed up the whole moment. No, I, I don't believe that. I, I, I think that in particular I think that's dangerous. Because that means that you can treat people any way you want to. And that you think you're the best thing, and they'll never get anything better than you. I treat Diane as if she's a gift to me, and any man who had her would find her to be amazing. And so I should live with the fear of losing her. I should treat her as if she's a precious gem. I just don't believe that, you know, somebody else can wear this jacket and look good in it. It ain't just me. And so I think people take each other for granted, so I don't believe that. I believe that God has... God had a perfect choice for me, 
And if my mind, I had to be at a certain level of maturity to re- even receive her at that season of my life because I would have missed her because she wouldn't have, she would have said, that couldn't be my husband acting that crazy with that attitude. See, some, somebody hear you at the gas station fussing, I want my change. And he said, some, the handsomest guy, look, that could not be my wife. Hmm. Turning the gas station out over $4, <laughs> 40 cents. I know that's not my wife walking around with that hoochie looking stuff on, acting like that. That could not be the woman that I want in my life, acting like that. Or that, that couldn't be my guy cussing like that. You'd be surprised how you can, you can miss the one and end up with one that's not the best because of the way you present yourself. Just a thought. All right, last question for the evening. How far is too far when it comes to affection and dating? It's, it's, it's the same old engine I, illustration I use. If, you, if you, you put the key in the ignition and you turn it, it's going to go vroom. And if you hold the key, it's going to come on, right? What you do in dating sometimes is you had a little, you know, a little cranking game. Oh, it's Every night you get together. And then one night it runs wild. And you wake up the next morning. What happened? What happened? Oh, Jesus, I sinned. Oh, God. I've sinned. Forgive me, Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Wake up. Wake up. We sinned. We need to pray. Ask God for forgiveness. <laughs> what are you doing? Come on. You stop the boom boom game. I mean, I mean, you're playing that Roman game all over Roman, all over the world. Your body does not, listen, your body does not have a stop button. I'm telling you now, you cut it on if you want to. It don't stop. You'd be trying. They'd be dragging you. You don't know what had done happen. And, and that's how Christians end up getting pregnant because they don't take birth control because they plan. I plan not to sin. Your behavior says you plan to sin. You need, <laughs> you need to. If you, listen, if your behavior is saying you plan to sin, I'm going to shock you. You need to take the pill because your behavior says I, am, I know in my heart I don't want to sin, but my behavior says I plan to sin. My history says I plan to sin, and at this point I have not stopped sinning. I have not stopped. So until I just stop sinning, I don't need to be going around here with no pills or something because you're going to end up pregnant. You're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. Take that any way you want. I'm telling you what I've seen all my life. It's wrong for you to deny the truth about yourself. You know, take a condom if you know that you're going to sin. I'm sorry. That's, did he say that? Did the pastor say that? It's the truth. Lie to yourself if you want to end up with a disease or something because you're not telling the truth. You can't lie and win. You've got to tell yourself the truth. As long as you're playing the Roman game, as long as you are vroom, vrooming, you might as well tell yourself the truth. You're not, hear this right, living like a godly person. You are living like an unsaved person who is not in relationship with Jesus. Therefore, you need to carry the, the equipment necessary to survive that. Now, that, that, see, that's what, that's, that's what gets you in trouble. You lie to yourself. Lie to yourself. I told a story in church that I said I was someplace, and, and I knew. I knew right away. I could tell. See, you tell yourself, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, 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 no. Don't follow that conversation up. How you doing? Somebody just said, how are you? I said, how are you? Fine. And, 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 and she turned and said, are you from here? Now, why are you asking me that? 
Why you ask me that question? Wouldn't. Wouldn't. <laughs> well, you have to keep talking. Oh, no, I'm didn't. Before you know it, you, oh, well, let's go to the, can I ask you? I have always wanted to ask a question. You get in these conversations. Before you know it, then you'd be surprised. If you're attracted to somebody and you know that when you take your shoes off, all you got to do is see them toes and it's over. Keep your toes covered. Don't take the toes. To keep, no, no shoes, no toes today. If your hips don't need to be moving, when you kiss, do the ironing board stand. We're not moving. <laughs> I am not moving these hips today. We matter of fact, we might need to kiss across the chair. All right, lean over. There you go. All right, that's a good one right there. All this area is dangerous. <laughs> this is a danger zone. Anything touch this area, I'm out of control. You know, it's hard to say that, but it's the truth. If you know it don't take much, you go crazy real fast, and you add a little wine to it, you know you're crazy. Then you can't think. You ain't got no sense, so you don't need to be drinking this. Y'all ain't asked about the drinking. You put a little drinking with that. Oh, Lord, you really start seeing angels then. <laughs> so I hope I answered all your questions tonight. Did it help you a little bit? Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you all. We hope you were blessed by today's message and Q&A. More messages are available online at overcomingbyfaith.org as well as the Overcoming by Faith app.